Hello, and welcome to the Christ Church Cathedral Podcast. This is the sermon from our past Sunday, recorded live from the cathedral. We hope these words will really speak to your heart and mind. I speak to you in the name of the risen Christ. Amen. Well, in the darkness of an early morning, a couple of millennia ago, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, quietly slipped off the funeral bindings that human hands had wrapped around him and exited a burial tomb that had a stone that human hands had placed there in order to confine him. Mary arrives first and knows that something isn't right. Things had been moved. The stone had been moved. So she goes to get the others. And then the three disciples reach that tomb. One sees the grave clothes neatly folded and believes. One sees the same thing and there's no indication that he believes anything. And one, the first one, is surprised into believing by hearing the sound of her name. The others leave, but Mary stays. She always stays. And in each of these disciples, we find ourselves at one time or another. We're meant to, because these reactions to the resurrection are real. St. John leaves room for each of us For one who sees and believes, another who sees and leaves uncertain, and one who needs to hear her own voice, her own name, in order to embrace the reality that's in front of her. And I love the way that John makes us just stop and feel that moment of deep grief, then confusion, and then deep questioning, which finally ends in astonishment all that Mary experienced. The whole exchange is poignant beyond words, and it's deeply important. Mary Magdalene knows first, a woman. She's given priority by God as the one who receives the news that God keeps God's promises. Given the times and the social mores, that's radical. Mary Magdalene is the first witness to the resurrection. I mean, the thing is, Women did not witness, not in a court of law, not in life. In fact, in the ancient Near East, women lived under a strong patriarchy. So why was it that Mary was the first witness to the resurrection? And why is it that Mary and other women were such an integral part of Jesus' ministry? Well, the fact that Mary is told first is a challenging divine reversal, and it's a sign of how God operates. It's a demonstration of what God's kingdom is like. It tells us what our Christian fellowship has the potential to look like here and now. 
It's a fundamental sign of God's kingdom, of the way that the Lord operates. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. For there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a ministry of inclusion, not exclusion. It tells you something significant about God's ways and God's thoughts. A divine reversal is also how St. Peter and the other disciples who gave their lives for the gospel came to live in the power of the Spirit and to preach so clearly as we read this morning and in the coming weeks in the book of Acts of the Apostles. So full of the conviction that Christ lives, that our sins are forgiven, and that we all live in him and will forever. Peter had seen the Christ and had broken bread with a man who was supposed to be dead. Peter was in full possession of the facts that Jesus the Messiah had risen from the dead, and in so doing, he had completed his work of redemption. And that's why he can find, suddenly, tremendous courage, and in a deeply hostile culture of polytheism, proclaim his beliefs about the Messiah and God's plan to draw all people to God's self and love with such strength and eloquence and confidence. This change in Peter is particularly something when we consider that this is the same Simon Peter who only a short while earlier tried to hide from being known as one of Jesus' disciples. Peter who denied his Lord three times before the cock crowed twice. This change is really something. And each of the disciples lived and died communicating the truth of the resurrection because they did die for it. All of them, save one, John, are said to have died either by crucifixion themselves or by some other method of execution. But these folks lived the rest of their lives trying to make sense of what they'd seen and experienced. And the only credible conclusion they could come up with was that Jesus was who he said he was because they knew his death was real. They'd been there. So they were forced, against common sense, against the strongest currents of culture, against everything else that they knew to be normal, to recognize that his resurrection was real too. And that matters. That matters because Jesus' resurrection tells us that this world matters. You see, the resurrection, is a, it's a break. It's a break with, with what was. It's the beginning of a new world. In truth, it's actually the beginning of a revolution, a long revolution that we're still in the midst of that promises a new heaven and a new earth, as Isaiah says, And that the powers and principalities that we live under, like racism and sexism, like the violence of war, all these things will be set right. And that's interesting. You see, we're pretty comfortable with the idea that Jesus came to put us right with God personally, individually, and of course that's true. But God's field of vision is so much wider 
Jesus came to put all of the systems of which we are a part right with God too. Jesus came to redeem human systems, not with might, but with profound and loving right, God's right. That's why a real bodily resurrection is so important to me, to you, and to the church. That's how we know that the work of the cross has been accomplished, that Jesus in his risen body, the body that walked among real people, that healed real people and showed what real uh, love looks like, that body risen, showing that this world with its created order matters to God that heaven and the created order on earth are united in Jesus' resurrection. And in the days after Jesus' resurrection, when Mary and the women, when Cleopas and Thomas and Peter and the rest of the disciples encountered Jesus, all the times he showed up in the days after his resurrection in the garden, on the road to Emmaus, on the beach, in the upper room, well, there's something else important that biblical scholars remind us to notice about his body. Jesus appears to the disciples with his wounds. Now, just in case that seems obvious to you, because we've heard this story so many times, we're deaf to these things, if we really think about it, him appearing with his wounds is interesting. I mean, we might have expected that they would be gone, they would be healed, erased by whatever change he's gone through. But no, Jesus' wounds are really significant. They mean that the resurrected Jesus is the same person that went through the crucifixion. It's not as if the crucifixion has somehow become undone in the resurrection. He's not back to how he was beforehand, before all those horrible things happened to him, before the stripes on his back from the vicious lashings he received, before the cruel marks of the nails that killed him. I mean, it's not magic. It's not a do-over. He's the person to whom these things happened. But now that experience has been separated from all that made it traumatic and destructive. And Jesus is free now to move and act and to be present in ways that he couldn't before because that very body has been raised. And that's important because it speaks to an important truth for us that when we go through really painful experiences, Perhaps it's bereavement. Perhaps it's the death of hopes and dreams. Perhaps it's some kind of tragedy that's been laid on our lives. These things leave their marks on us, on our hearts and on our minds. And perhaps the fact that the risen Christ shows us his wounds should tell us that the aim in healing might not be to get back to how we were before those experiences happened or to somehow erase them. We couldn't even if we wanted to. But like Christ, we come through them, transformed, 
bearing the wounds of what we've experienced, because those wounds honor the pain. But Jesus' body reminds us that in time, those wounds will be separated from what makes them destructive. You know, I know the temptation in life is to try and get over things, but it may be much more loving to accept that the wounds are there, but that the Lord who has borne the unutterable pain of shouldering our sins has redeemed that experience and can transform our pain too. He shows us that beyond the pain, there's new life. And in God's mercy, new purpose too. So for all these things, these very concrete and tangible and real reasons, I think we Christians, we followers of the way of Jesus Christ should be very careful to cherish the reality and the corporeality of the resurrection. But it's also crucial to understand that Jesus' resurrection is not just about love is stronger than death or life beyond death, important and true though those things may be. But because it is Jesus who is resurrected, it's also Jesus' ministry that is vindicated. Who Jesus is, what he stands for, it's these things that are shown to be unkillable. God's love for the world, God's desire for justice and peace, healing and well-being. The fact that through the cross, we and the systems we are part of will be put right with God. These things, these, these results of resurrection, victory, are stronger and more important than the very worst the world can do. You know, the strangeness of the resurrection and its refusal to allow anything to dull its edge, to mute its strangeness, is in fact its power. Why would anyone tell a story like this and expect to be believed unless it was unavoidably true? unless they were communicating a reality that they'd experienced and could do nothing with it except go and tell. To believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ takes a lot of faith and courage. I know. But I have to tell you that it's more than just saying yes to the claim made by Mary and eventually the other disciples in the Easter story. It's at the same time saying no to the power of death and destruction that surrounds us. In place of the bad news that we hear of war in Tigray or Syria or Afghanistan, and the bad experiences we have, we make the claim that there is a sustaining power, our loving and great God who brings life out of death and reconciliation out of conflict and transformation out of pain and healing out of a pandemic. You see, Easter marks the beginning of a new creation, a revolution of love. 
It begins with the resurrection of Jesus and it continues in the, in the passing of time where the gospel is proclaimed, not just read, but proclaimed. And people come to faith and their works of mercy and the love that we show to each other and the world make this revolution of love a reality. And the church at its best continues to be that community of the new creation in a world that is too often headed for destruction. Instead, we tell folks a story about life. Early in the morning on the first day of the week, real life, true life, resurrected life. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Christ Church Cathedral. Audio editing and original theme by Eduardo Farias. We hope you join us again soon. Have a blessed day.